All right. Good morning. How are y'all? All right. Good. You okay? Okay. That was terrible. Here we go. All right. That's all right. We're going to do good today. Okay. Happy mid-October, everyone. All right. It, uh, the weather has cooled down from Satan lives amongst us to like Michigan summers. That's what it feels like right now. So I'm excited about that. Anyway, my name is Tori. I am one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, it is good to be here with you all uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We will be in Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to be for the majority of the time today. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be some under every second and third chair somewhere around you. Uh, please feel free to take and keep that Bible. If you don't own a Bible, we want you to have the Word and to be able to read that uh, throughout the week. And so that's our gift to you. Please uh, take that home with you. If you would like a nicer one, uh, then you can look in the lost and found because people leave nice leather ones all the time. So it's not stealing if it's the Bible I've heard. All right. So you could do that. Uh, you can also follow along on your smartphone if you wish. If you have the version app underneath the tab section, uh, click on events, type in the well Austin, and you can follow along that way. Uh, there are notes, places for scripture, uh, all Everything that's going to be talked about today will be there on your phone. Uh, if you don't have that app, then you can actually take the link uh, that's up here and you can uh, type that into your browser and you can follow along that way. Uh, we say this every week and hopefully you're kind of tired of hearing me say this every single week. Uh, we want your eyes on the word. And so whatever that looks like on your phone, on your hand, uh, whatever that may be, we want you to see that these aren't our words that we're just kind of trying to make up or be cute. Like we really think that this is the word of God that has been delivered out for us that we need literally for uh, not just our salvation, but our sanctification and our continued growth in Christ. And so we want to be rooted in the word. And so we want you to be in that this morning. All right. Today, we are talking about everybody's favorite topic. All right. Money. Okay. Um, money is the most discussed topic in the New Testament. Uh, and Jesus talks about it a ton, as do many of the other apostles. So I know right off the bat, some of you are like, Oh my gosh, why did I invite my friend today? All right. Um, and so money is a really, really touchy topic. But um, I'm going to tell you, especially if you're uh, just kind of exploring Christianity, if you're trying to figure out, hey, what do Christians believe? Like, like why do they gather together and worship? What's going on? This is actually a great topic for that because Jesus takes what is very, very sensitive to most people and puts a lot of practicality to it and a lot of how to we think about our hearts and our lives as we kind of center around money. And so uh, there's a lot of logic here. There's a lot of wisdom that's kind of wrapped up here that I think you'll get to see some of the tenets of Christianity and why we believe what we believe and, and why we function the way that we function. So as we kind of enter into that, we're in Matthew chapter 6. We'll pick up in verse 19 in a moment. But just to recap you, Jesus is in the middle of probably his most famous sermon that he has ever given. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is kind of walking through, here's what it looks like to follow me. Here's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And so he starts off with the Beatitudes beginning, blessed are the poor in spirit, and really trying to highlight in us, when you realize that you don't have anything with in yourself to offer up to God. You are poor in your spirit. You don't have what it takes to reach out to God. That creates a humility in you, but that makes you begin to look for righteousness out 
inside of yourself, and you can find it if you find it in Jesus. And so immediately Jesus kind of knocks down this idea of I need to work, I need to do enough good things, I need to be a good enough person. He kind of immediately kicks the door open on religiosity and says, this isn't what Christianity is about. This isn't what it means to follow me, to try to better yourself up until you get good enough to reach up to God. You can't. He says, you're poor in spirit. At the same time, though, he sort of kicks open the other door that says, ah, I don't really care. It doesn't really matter. He says, no, you have to seek righteousness. Like, it has to be something that you care about to realize that eternity is real and, and that souls are real and that there is a real God and a real Satan and heaven and hell. And look, these things exist. And so we can't be irreligious or not really care at all, but we can't be religious and just try to do enough good deeds to get us into heaven. And Jesus kind of provides a new way that says, hey, if we realize we're poor in spirit and then come to Christ, our righteousness, we will be saved. We will see eternal life. And that's good news. He then walks into, now here's how you share that with other people to, to be able to share the gospel, but not just even in words, but also in deeds that we are believers as Christians, as followers of Christ. We are salt to the world around us. We serve the men and women around us. We give of ourselves because Christ is our example who gave of himself that we may be free. And then he goes in and re-emphasizes this gospel point as he kind of walks through, look, nobody's perfect except for God in heaven. But in order to get to heaven, you must be perfect like God is. And so what do we do? Well, we find that in Christ. And then last week, Brad, who did a great job, by the way, Brad uh, covered, here's what it looks like to follow Jesus kind of practically and kind of hit on the heart issue. Like, what does it mean in your private life? Like, in your heart, what you're thinking about when you're at home by yourself, what you are acting upon kind of deep down the, the hard wiring of your heart. He says, here's what it looks like to follow Jesus. And Jesus really kind of picks up that theme here, but he kind of narrows in or he zooms in on one topic to kind of expose all of who we are in him. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're in Matthew chapter six, and uh, we're going to read actually our whole text today. So starting in verse 19, and then we'll kind of chop it up together. Okay. Matthew chapter six, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money." So we're going to break this into kind of three different sections because what Jesus gives here is he gives us three sets of twos. And if you have a physical Bible, you actually see that, that it breaks it up in these three different paragraphs. And in each of the paragraphs, he kind of gives two options. So there's three sets of twos here. The first one is that there are two treasures. Okay. The second one is that there are two conditions. And then the third one is that there are two masters. 
Two treasures, two conditions, and two masters. And you can see that as we walk through it, but we're going to chop up each one of these, all right? So firstly, there are true two treasures, Jesus says. We have an opportunity to store up treasures, Christ said, and we can do that in two places, either here on earth or in heaven. The good treasures that last for eternity or the temporal treasures that last momentarily. And Jesus says, look, these are the two things that you can chase. Now we have quite a contrast immediately here, right? And Jesus throughout this whole sermon is really going against the grain of what's natural inside of us. Like naturally we tend to do these certain things, but Jesus kind of runs the other way and says, no, it actually looks like this. Practically, it's very different than you tend to think of because of what happens to treasures in our heart. Here on earth, money has really appointed different guardians and those guardians are rust and moth and thieves. Those are the treasurers of money here on earth, if you will. Jesus says that, that's who's going to take care of your money. It's rust, it's moth, they eat, they damage it away. It's thieves, they steal it. So Jesus starts off hard by saying something that's kind of obvious though, if we really begin to stop and to really ponder it and to think about it. If you work your whole life caring for nothing but the temporal, if you work your whole life caring for nothing except the riches that you can kind of accumulate here on earth, that which is earthly, that's what only satisfies for a moment, then you don't have much to gain for it in the long run. And if we really really begin to think about it, we know that that's true in our hearts. But the problem is, is we don't think about it a whole lot. We tend to allow our our clouded judgment to get in the way and we just kind of run the rat race. We just jump in the river and kind of float downstream. But Jesus says, no, no, to follow me actually looks a little bit different. Remember, he's doing these hard truths that are kind of opposite of what we tend to naturally think all throughout the Sermon on the Mount. This may be one of the most blatant ones. He's going against the grain for us. So naturally speaking, Pretty much everything that you're told, if you think about it, is store up treasures here now, right? Like that's what you're naturally told. Now you may not say that out loud, but naturally you say, hey, I'm gonna store up treasures here now. Uh, 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 Social media tells you that, Uh, advertising tells you that, right? So like when you advertise, that's what it's saying, hey, store up treasures here now, here on this earth right now. Your heart tends to kind of lie to you and speak that into you over and over again. Hey, what is here is what matters the most. And so naturally speaking, you tend to set your eyes on things that are temporal, on things that are immediately satisfy on things that are here on this earth. Accumulate wealth, right? Buy a bigger and a better house. Buy a bigger and a better car. You know you need that new iPhone that's about to come out right? Like that's what we tend to think of, isn't it? Like, like, and then we look at our iPhone and even though it's the six and even though we like it, it's like, yeah, but this one's waterproof, which the Galaxy had a long time ago, by the way, all right? So y'all are catching up. I'm sorry. I like hating on Apple sometimes. I don't know why, but right? Like, so we, we like, we think about that and it's like, man, okay, now we need the new one. Now we need the better one. Now we need the best one. Look, you need this type of TV. Actually, that's not good technology. This is a TV. Actually, that's not good. And over and over and over again, everything that's kind of fed to us. And even in our own hearts, we tend to think about the temporal, about the present, about the immediate, and we need more and more and more. Everything on earth that you require, okay, Jesus gives a humbling uh, intro into this, is going to rot and rust or it's going to be stolen. It's not really worth it. I mean, think about it. Even if you are one of the few that accumulate all the wealth that you can have by the time that you're, let's just say, 30, Like you're really, you're a young millionaire, right? And you accumulate everything that you have. And even if you enjoy those things and you spend it and you consume it well, what do you have? 40, 50 years max where you can enjoy that? And that's it? 
Like that's what life is, is you enjoying something for 40 years and then it's done. Jesus says there's, there's got to be something more than that. And if you tap into your soul, you know that's true. You know that life is not in the abundance of possessions, in what you can accumulate. There's something more on this earth, but we forget to think about that at times. We just roll down the river and it just floats us along and we try to accumulate, accumulate, get more and more. But Jesus says, no, no, no. There's something else into this life. There's something more. There's something eternal. There's something that's more valuable. And we need to think about that. Now, what Jesus does acknowledge here is that there's a drive in every single one of us to gain or to accumulate. Do you see that? Like he's not saying, look, this drive that you have is bad. He's saying your aim is bad. The drive is natural. In fact, I would argue the drive has actually been put there in your heart by the God of the universe, that God wants you to desire good things. This is a good thing. We serve a good God who wants us to have good gifts. It's just our aim is way off. Jesus says, look, you can either aim on earth and maybe even gain on earth, but then you get to enjoy it just for a short time before someone steals it before you get a car and it catches on fire and a tree branch falls on it and it gets T-boned like my car did last month, right? Before thieves break in and steal the cool sound system that you had in there, right? Like, like you can only enjoy it momentarily, Jesus says, or you can use this hardwiring, this drive that you have, this uh, Imago Dei creation, the image of God in you to want more, to want better than what's here on earth. You can actually direct that in the right way into the eternal And then get treasures that never rust, that never fade, that never spoil. There are no thieves in heaven. Nobody's stealing the stuff that's in your mansion in heaven or whatever it may be, right? Like like nobody's breaking in and robbing that. And Jesus is saying, look, look, your, your aim is a natural aim. Your desire is natural. It's just where you're pointing that arrow is in the wrong direction. If you point it to the eternal, that's what really satisfies John Piper in his book, Desiring God, says this, Scripture implies that all the evils in the world come not because our desires for happiness are too strong, but because they are so weak that we settle for fleeting pleasures that do not satisfy our deepest souls, but in the end destroy them. The root of all evil is that we are the kind of people who settle for the love of money instead of the love of God. I think that kids today use the phrase preach when something like that's said, right? Like, this is a good truth, right? Like, man, we, like, we should desire these things. God has put them in us for a good reason, but our aim is wrong. We're aiming for things that can satisfy us for 40, 50 years max. Isn't life more than that, Jesus is saying? Isn't there more than just the accumulation of wealth and of goods? Now, so that you're with me throughout the rest of the sermon, okay, I want to pause and sidestep real quick and help us. Because what some of you in here are doing or you're saying, well, you know, I don't, I don't really struggle with money that much. Like, yeah, it's good to have it, whatever, but I, I don't really struggle with money, so I guess I'm kind of off the hook. I hope my spouse is listening, right? Like, that's what some of you are thinking right now, okay? Notice that Jesus does not use the word money in this first part here. He uses the word treasures. 
Now, he could have used the word money because in the Greek, there is a word that says money. And so Jesus could have very easily said money, but instead he chose a more broad term, that of treasures. And even as we get down to the end, it says you cannot serve God in mammon, which is an all-inclusive idea of material. And so Jesus actually broadens out our perspective. And so all of us actually have something enthroned on our heart. And there are things that we naturally desire to put there that are not God. So Money is it for a lot of people. For a lot of us in here, we, we struggle with the love of money. We struggle with desiring to accumulate more and more wealth. But there are other things that we could be treasuring, aren't there? Like, like what about power? Like if you never gained power, if you were never the boss, the CEO, the, the person that people respected, like would that kind of ruin you a little bit? Or, or, or what about like relationship? What if you treasure relationship? Like if you never get that man or that woman to, to love you, then, then have you not gained what earth has to offer? Jesus is saying, what about comfort? What if your comfort was stolen from you? Would you curse God then? Like, like, it's not just money that it is, but it could be many different things. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's approval from man. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's, it could be so many different things, looking like you have it all together so people respect you. What is it that your heart treasures that is above God? Because one of them is momentary. And Jesus is saying, look, why would you chase that when you can actually have and acquire eternal? One of them satisfies for the moment. One of them satisfies forever. What do you treasure? There's so many things that we can get about that, and I want you to begin to think about that in your heart. So don't excuse yourself just because you may not be the person that struggles with money. What is it that if you never gained? What is it that if you did not acquire? What is it that if it was taken away from you, would you really, really struggle to kind of live earth, live on earth? What would you really, really struggle to kind of walk throughout life with? Because nothing that you see around you will last for eternity except for the souls that are in men and women's hearts. There's nothing else that we see that will last forever. This building will perish. Your car will perish. Your status will perish. When you die, nobody cares who you are anymore. Right? I'm not being, I'm being honest, right? Like even if you get read about in a book, you don't care what George Washington did. You're like, oh, he was a good guy. That doesn't impact any of your life right now, right? You're not honoring George Washington and giving him this praise. And so even if you were one of the greatest humans to ever live and people kind of remembered your name, your status dies when you die. Like whatever it is that you are chasing, it perishes. It rusts. It destroys or it gets stolen. What are you treasuring? Jesus makes this clear in verse 21. I want to read it again. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What do you dream about? What do you think about? What is your treasure? Where is your heart? If you were really to do a, a deep engage of, of who you are. Because what Jesus is saying is that your heart is going to follow your treasure. And so if your heart is pointed up into heaven, if your heart treasures the things that are in heaven, then naturally it will follow what your treasure is. And so if you place your treasure there, Jesus is saying, you're going to continually ascend almost, if you will, into heaven where things won't destroy, where, where, where moth doesn't eat up, where it doesn't rust. But if it's on earth, if it's always horizontal, that's what you're going to follow. You're going to follow where your treasure is. Where your treasure is, there your heart or there you will be. Also, what do you treasure? 
And so Jesus kind of takes a attack to the American dream and pops all the helium out of that balloon. <laughs> Right? And says that there's something more than just that. Not that that's bad in and of itself. None of the things that we mentioned are bad. Relationships, comfort, uh, uh, status, those are all good things. But are you chasing it here on earth or are you chasing it in heaven where it will never fade, rust, or destroy? Use comfort. I mean, won't you be forever comforted in heaven? Scripture says there will be no more tears. God will wipe them all away. There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. Are you chasing comfort here or there? What about status? Do you know that one day God is going to bring you onto the throne with him? I mean, go read Revelation 2 and and tell me that doesn't almost sound blasphemous when you start reading some of those things. As the angels are bowing down, God exalts us to be of equal status almost with him. It's God and then it's us above all the angels, above all the rest of creation. And God looks at you and says, well done, my good and faithful servant, and calls you a son, a co-heir with Jesus Christ himself. You want status? That's way more status than all of humanity can give you, even if they try to exalt you as much as they could. They don't own heaven. They can't give that to you, right? Like Jesus is saying, look, there's more than this. What if it's relationship? One day you will be married to Jesus Christ himself. He, your groom, you, his bride. You will be a son of God, a daughter of God, Jesus being your brother. There's all these relational metaphors in scripture to show, look, we will be in relationship with God. This is a good thing. Whatever it is that you desire, it's not that it's bad. It's that your aim is bad. You're looking for it here on earth when in reality you could have it in heaven. Jesus says, this is what it looks like to follow me, to begin to realize that, hey, actually, it's, it's not here. It's somewhere else because here it fades. Jesus isn't for the destruction of our joy. He doesn't want to take it away. He wants to give us joy, just joy more fully because he knows where joy is fully found. It's in him. Jesus is for your satisfaction. He's for your encouragement. He's for you to be full. He created you for that reason. It's us that run away from that. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 you can come back. You can come into what's going to satisfy forever. Now, don't mishear me here, okay? Jesus isn't against the uh, acquiring of good things. That's not what he's saying here. But he is against it when you treasure it above everything else. But to have good things isn't bad. In fact, Jesus himself was blessed by rich people, often in his ministry. He stayed at rich people's houses. It was a rich man's tomb that he was buried in. There was a donkey that he rode from somebody who just had a free donkey for him, right? Like he had a lot of good things. Be like, you having a free car today? Like, hey, can I use your car to go in Jerusalem? You're like, yeah, here you go, man. That means you're rich, all right, is what that means, okay? So Jesus, like, he, he was blessed by rich people, but... It's the acquiring, it's the setting your heart upon those riches that's so deceiving because all it takes is for one thing to happen and it all destroys. And even if it doesn't, even if you have it for 50 years, is that really all that life is about? Is the gaining of riches, is the the gaining of these good things, can that really satisfy the depth of your soul throughout this life, let alone eternity? You're not taking it with you. Right? And so that's what Jesus is saying here. 
he goes into two conditions, okay? So those are two treasures, and he transitions into two conditions, which is directly tied into what we just talked about. So we're not going to hit on it on a long time to hear. But he gives this weird analogy of the eyes and darkness and a lamp and all this stuff that's kind of confusing to us, okay? And so what is he saying here? In a lot of ways, all he's doing is reemphasizing the same point, just putting some pictures behind it to help if you are a, a metaphor, a, a picture person. And so Jesus is doing us a favor. I'm not one of those people, all right? But for you who like to draw and think in pictures, like that's what he's trying to do for us here. He's trying to paint a picture of the same truth. You can chase two treasures, temporal or eternal, and you can have two t- conditions, good or bad, light or darkness. It's what are you looking at? What are you gazing upon? What are you setting your eyes? It's the same way of saying, what are you setting your heart for? John Stott explains it like this. Just as our eye affects our whole body, so our ambition, where we fix our eyes and heart, affects our whole life. Just as a seeing eye gives light to the body, so a noble and single-minded ambition to serve God and man adds meaning to life and throws light on everything we do. If we have physical vision, we can see what we are doing and where we are going. So too, if we have spiritual vision, if our spiritual perspective is correctly adjusted, then our life is filled with purpose and drive. But if our vision becomes clouded by the false gods of materialism and we lose our sense of values, then our whole life is darkness and we cannot see where we are going. Y'all tracking with that? Does that make sense? All right, three of you right? Jesus is saying, hey, what are you focused on, right? Like, like what are you looking at? Because it's going to affect all of you. It's going to change who you are. Are you looking for the temporal or the eternal? One will help you see that there's something bigger and better and more, and one is just going to trick you. One is going to be a, a bad slave master of you that makes you get more and more and more of it, but never gives you satisfaction. That's not the God that you want over your life. That's a pathetic God that just ruins you and that creates misery in you in the long run. It's kind of like, you ever seen those uh, like races? It's like a horse race where they have like a carrot out in front of it and the horse is like chasing the carrot, but he can like never get it, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, some of you looked at me like I was crazy because I just ran a little bit, all right? But, like, that's what it's like in my mind, right? It's like money or material or treasure. It's like a carrot that's sitting hanging in front of you, and you chase and you chase and you chase, but you're never going to get the carrot. And even if you get the carrot, it's just one carrot, right? Jesus is saying, look, why would you settle for that when you can have something so much more? Fix your eyes on something that's far grander than just this earth. There's something more than this. This world is messed up. We see it. We feel it all around us. Isn't there something more? When we tap into our souls and listen to our hearts for a moment, they scream out to us, there's something more than this earth. And Jesus is saying, you can have that. You can chase that. It's yours in me, Christ would say. There's something bigger than just God or money. Now, some people think indeed that they could serve too. And Jesus transitions us into the last section here of there are two masters. There are two different masters. There's God and the uh, uh, ESV would say money, but the Greek word there is mammon, which is a a material thing. There's uh, possessions. There's more than just 
those two. And some people would try to trick themselves into saying, hey, no, look, I can serve both of those. I can, I can serve God and money. I can love Jesus, but also really, really like making a bunch of money. And I can kind of chase after this over and over. But Jesus, very clearly in scripture, I'm not saying this. This is the word. We can read this, right? It says you can't do it. You can't do it. It's impossible to do. Here's, why, here's how you can know this. Either you will use your treasure to get more of God or you will use God to get more of what you treasure. Are you tracking with that? You'll use your money, you'll use your gifts, you'll use your time, you'll use your status, you'll use your comfort, you'll use whatever it is that God has given you to get more of God. And God says, look, this is the good thing. This is where you have joy fulfilled. This is where life is. This is what you want. You will use all these things to get more of God or you'll use God to get more of whatever it is your heart treasures. And the way you can know what it is, is if God didn't give it to you, would you kind of be like ticked at God? Like, like, would you be ready to curse God if he didn't give you that husband or wife, that job that you've been looking for, the kid that you want, the whatever it may be? Look, all these things are awesome, great, good things. But if they supersede our heart, we chase them and God becomes nothing more than a vending machine. And we press E5 hoping to get out of it. And when it gets jammed, we just kick it a little bit. I mean, isn't that what our hearts do to God? Like, am I the only one that does that in here? Right? And that's what I do, right? Like, like when I don't get what I want, that's what my heart starts doing. It's messed up. There's this other treasure that I'm chasing. One of the things for me that I know it is, is approval. Like if I come up and I preach a sermon and 95 people are like, man, that was really good. I'm like, look at me, I'm pretty good. And I feel it. Like that's what my heart desires. I want the approval of man. If I get 95 people that say, man, that was really awful. Like that would be really close to destroying me. I kind of be like, God, I'm trying to serve you. How come you didn't use the Holy Spirit to make me speak better, right? Like I, I want to use God for people's praise. Like that's where my heart is. There's a, there's a temptation in me to desire something that from you that only God can actually give. But I'm trying to get it from you because I desire this treasure when in reality I already have it in Christ. I already have it. But I trick myself all the time, don't you? What is your heart treasure? What is it that you would be so willing to sacrifice the God that loves you relentlessly to get? See, God says, no, sacrifice these things to get me, but we're tempted to sacrifice God to get these things. You can't serve God and money. You'll be devoted to one and you'll start to kind of despise the other because the other won't give you what you are looking for. Martin Lloyd-Jones says it like this. The effect of sin upon man is to make him a slave of things that were meant to serve him. We are mastered by appetites. God has given us our appetites, hunger, thirst, and sex are God created. But the moment a man is dominated by them or is mastered by them, he is a slave to them. What a tragedy. He bows down and worships at the shrine of things that were meant to be at his service. Things that were meant to minister to him have become his master. What a terrible and awful thing sin is. Are you ruled? Are you mastered by possessions, by treasures, or by God? You only have one throne on your heart. What's sitting on that throne right now? 
And what Jesus is saying is that for the Christian, he doesn't just make me savior, but he also makes me Lord over his life. And he looks at the throne of his heart. And when he realizes there's something else on that throne, he kicks it off and puts me back on there. That's what it means to follow Christ, to allow him to be not just savior, but also Lord over our lives, to to rule our hearts. Now, by no means do we do that to perfection. He already covered all that. None of us are sinless. We are all sinful. We're all poor in spirit. But as you begin to live out the gospel, as you begin to walk in Christ, more and more you want to set your eyes on things that are eternal, not on things on this earth, that he would be sitting on the throne of your heart because he's a good master, you're going to be mastered by something. Either it's money, you'll work and work and work, you'll forsake your family, you'll stay up all night, you'll do all these things just to acquire more money. It's relationship or it's God. Who masters your heart? That's the question you have to ask. Now, we could end here and say, now go do this, right? And maybe some of the practicals is like live more freely, Like as a believer, we can live very, very simplistically that we don't get tempted to love money or we give it away because we say we believe in the kingdom of God more than the kingdom of this earth. So we will give our time, we will give our talents, we will give our possessions away. That's why we do that so freely, not out of obedience or religiosity trying to gain God, but because we believe that his kingdom is better than this kingdom. And we can say, hey, let's all go do likewise, but I think that's cutting us a little bit short. Jesus is our ultimate example and the beautiful fulfillment of this exactly. Jesus isn't doing something. He isn't uh, telling you to do something that he himself hasn't done already. I used to have a coach in in high school who... This dude never did anything in his life, okay? And he would like scream at us like, run 10 miles, you know? And it'd be like this, we had the the hill we called hell, hill, okay? Even though we were ascending it, which doesn't make sense, but it was just, it was terrible, okay? And he would say, run this, we do like 40 of them. Dudes would be like falling down, literally rolling down the hill, like throwing up because they were so tired. And he would say, I had to do this. I had to do this myself. And we would look at him like, no, you didn't, bro. Like we could just tell by looking at him, he never did this. Jesus isn't asking us to do something that he hasn't already done fully himself. Jesus Christ had all of the riches that you could ever imagine in heaven. Do you know that heaven says that the streets are made of gold? Like the thing that we desire most here on earth, this money, this gold, is what you throw your gum wrapper on in heaven, right? Like that's what the streets are made of. I'm assuming it's soft and comfy gold, like carpet, okay? So it feels great and it's really expensive, right? Like like that's what Jesus had, okay? But not only that, he had all of the angels throughout all of eternity worshiping him. He had perfect fellowship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. He had all these things and became poor so that you who are poor might be rich in him. Jesus is telling us to follow his example that he already set for us. Jesus became poor that you might be rich in Christ. Even more than that, friends, I want to ask an honest question. I want you to think about this. What was Jesus's treasure? He said you can only have one or two treasures, eternal, temporal. What was Jesus's treasure? Now, minus the hundred verses that we can look at, we know that one of Jesus's treasures was the glory of God. And that is true, amen. And we are thankful for that because that means he always did the Father's will. But friends, do you know what his other treasure is, Scripture says? It was you. It's us. 
Scripture over and over and over again says that we are Jesus' treasure. The reason that he came on earth, the reason that Jesus is giving this Sermon on the Mount in the first place as a physical man, broken, and, and maybe he's sick, maybe it's hot, maybe he's, that didn't happen in heaven, right? He's down on earth wearing flesh. The reason that that happened in the first place is because God was trying to show you how affectionate he is for you. Like, oh, right? God loves you. What? What? You, me, like broken people that always put something else on the throne besides God. He knows that and instead would come down to earth to reveal to us, this is what God is like. And he reaches out and he calls in and he heals and he, and he beckons and look, Jesus loves you. You are his treasure. So Jesus' eyes were set on you, Hebrews says. And as he suffered the cross, enduring the shame, he knew that that was for a worthy cause because by that you can now be saved. You can enter into eternity forever in heaven with him. Jesus knows that as he is obedient even to death, even death on the cross, that that would actually purchase our salvation. You are his treasure. He wanted you with him. That's why he came down to earth and gave up all his riches and became poor so that he can make you rich in him, that he can be your reward. He made you his reward so that you can make him your reward. That's what the gospel lays out for us. That's what Jesus is saying here. He wants to be your master and he is a kind-hearted master. He's not a cruel master that crushes you and that always beckons for more in you. He's a good master who loves you, who gives himself to you. He's the only master that instead of ruling over you like a king, becomes a servant for you, washes the feet of those around him, eats with the prostitutes, hangs out all the time, even when he's tired, serves us because he's a God who loves us. This is a profound truth. You are his treasure, friends. And your heart is going to try to block that truth out as much as possible. You have to allow it to sink down into your souls that God loves you. You are his treasure. And so he gave up all riches for you. And now he asks you to give up to move off the throne those treasures and make him your treasure, that you would have a covenant relationship forever. You know, when you're dating somebody, you're not married yet, and there's a possibility you can break up with that person and start dating somebody else. But when you get married, what you're saying is, all the other treasures in this world, look, a lot of the women in this room, they have a lot of treasure, but you're not my treasure, she is. And that's what you say to God. There's a lot of other treasures in this world, but because God desired me, he said, will you marry me? You say yes to him and you guys covenant together. He is your treasure. You are his treasure and you guys have this relationship forever. That's what the gospel is like. What is on the throne of your heart, friends? What can you not do without? Is it God or is it treasures? And if it's treasures, I would encourage you, look at the gospel, remember the gospel and allow that to motivate you to do whatever it takes to acquire more of the king. He is the only treasure that you will find true joy in forever. And he gives himself freely to you. I love you guys. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the truth of the gospel. I thank you, God, that no treasure 
on earth could ever satisfy the way that you satisfy Christ. I thank you that you have made that real. And God, I confess that daily, hourly, by the minute, I desire something else on my heart's throne besides you, Jesus. Lord, I desire approval. I do desire comfort. I do desire all these things, but not even eternally here in the temporal. God, I would willingly give up eternity at times to receive it here. That's foolish. Lord, let us be like Jim Elliott, Lord, who says he is no fool who gives what he can't keep to gain what he could never lose, would that be true in us, God, that we would give up what we have to gain you, Jesus? That we would live open-handedly, that we would live freely, that we would not be tempted to, to, to worship at the feet of something that doesn't actually satisfy. Let us find our satisfaction in you, Christ. So Jesus, I thank you for these truths. I thank you for these hard truths. Would you make them real in our hearts, God? Not just a sermon that's preached 2,000 years ago by you, Christ, but even right now, Holy Spirit, that you would be active and real in every single man and woman's heart and that you would remind us of our true value in you, Jesus. Thank you for treasuring a lowly, messed up person like me. Lord, you traded a lot to get me. I don't feel like I add a lot of value. But you treasured me, Jesus. I thank you for that. And you treasure us, Christ. Help us to make you king of our hearts. Help us to treasure you. Praise in your beautiful name. Amen.